Amen. Are you ready for the word today? Let's turn to Ruth chapter 3. We're going to do what we did last week, and that's uh, jump in a little further into the story, and then we're going to come back uh, to a few other things. But in Ruth chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 7. And uh, like we said last week, Ruth is a book that it can get easy to to not find because it's a small book in the Old Testament, kind of in the first third. It's between Judges and 1 Samuel. If you have an old school Bible, you know what I mean by that. I mean, that's this the old school stuff. Now, electronically, you're there. You've been there. But let's look at Ruth chapter 3, verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a kinsman redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your kinsman redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here till morning. This morning we continue this series called Handfuls, and we're going to talk about handfuls of redemption today. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that as we hear it this morning, it will draw us closer to you. It'll give us fresh revelation of who you are. It'll find deep root in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we started looking at this story in Ruth. And just kind of a quick recap to catch up to what we said last week. We said the book of Ruth opens up in the town of Bethlehem. There's four people who start this story. There's Elimelech, who's the dad and the father. There's his wife, Naomi. They have two sons, Killian and Malin. There's a famine going on in Bethlehem. So Elimelech makes a decision to move his family to Moab. Not what God would have them do. It wasn't what God's plan was for them. But they moved to Moab. Not long after they moved to Moab, we find that Elimelech dies. And Naomi's uh, two sons find two two ladies who are from Moab, Orpah and Ruth. And they marry them. They marry the sons. And then uh, they live together for about ten years. And after about ten years, the two sons die. And then it's just Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. And Naomi finds out that uh, the famine is over in Bethlehem, so she makes a decision to move the family back to Bethlehem. And not long after being back in Bethlehem, Naomi says, well, I'm not just going to sit here with my mother-in-law. I'm going to find something to get some food for us. So she goes out into a field. She gets permission to work and glean. As she's there, the owner of the field, who's named Boaz, shows up. And he asks, who is this woman? And uh, they find out who she is. And he gives her special permission to stay in the field and to drink water and, and take everything that she needs for all of that. And we, and we said last week that God blessed Ruth in her work in three ways. He led her to the right field. He blessed her early in her labors. And he provided handfuls on purpose. And we ended the message last week by talking about how Boaz told his servants to purposely leave handfuls of grain and barley in the harvest in the rows for Ruth so she could take it and she could have it. And that's where we left off and we said that God works in our lives the same way. God leads us to the right places. God blesses us in our labors. And at times in our lives, God will bless us with handfuls of unexpected blessings. All right? And that's where we ended last week. So, if you pull back and look at the story of Ruth, it's a great story because there's so many different elements in it. You know, 
when you, when you read a good story, you like to have intrigue and different characters. And, and we have that with Ruth. We've got different characters who come in and out of the story. We've got um, ups and downs of a family. And we can certainly all identify with that. And uh, when we think about the story of Ruth, I was thinking, you know, if Ruth was a movie... Uh, and there probably have been some movies made of Ruth. In what category or genre, genre, I can't really say that word, genre, everybody say it with me so you make sure you can say it, genre, would you put it? Well, I guess Ruth could be an adventure. It could be a uh, family story. It could be a history story. Um, but at, the, at its core, as we turn the page today to chapter 3, we're going to find out that it is a romance It is a love story. And I got to thinking about, you know, what makes a great love story? You know, if you've ever seen a movie that was a love story or you read a book that was a love story, there's a lot of elements. But I think one of the main things is that there's two people from two different places who decide that they can't live without each other. That's really the core of what a good love story is all about. And in our country, we've got all kinds of great love stories. I thought about some of the classics this week, like Gone with the Wind is a great love story. One of my favorite classic love stories is, is the man who is the man when it comes to old movies, and that's Cary Grant. Cary Grant, in An Affair to Remember, he is smooth and suave. He is the man. That's one of my favorite old school movies. And then in, in modern days, we've got movies like A Walk to Remember, that is a heartbreaker. Yeah, and they're over here going, oh, because that, that movie just rips your heart out. And then a movie like Sleepless in Seattle that puts two people together and we just sit back. And, you know, th- these movies that all the girls are over here going, oh, you know. But great movies about romance also have, um, they have great lines, don't they? Quotable lines. I think about a movie that really you don't think about it as a uh, romance movie, but Jerry Maguire has probably two of the best lines ever in a movie. Jerry walks in, he's trying to convince his wife that he wants her to stay with him, and he says these three words, you complete me. You remember that? Guys, if you need a line to put in your back pocket, that's a pretty good one. And so when he says, you complete me, and he's trying to convince her, eventually she just looks at him, and ladies, what does she say? You had me at, hello. Great lines. There's also great scenes in love stories. And, and, and one of my favorites is, is one, I don't know if you saw this one, but in the 80s there was a movie called Say Anything. And John Cusack's character named Lloyd is so desperate to get his girlfriend that he goes outside the door of her house, He has a boom box like we had in the 80s. And he's standing in front of his car with this giant, well, bigger than that, a giant boom box playing the Peter Gabriel song, In Your Eyes, trying to convince her that he loves her and cares about about her. Anybody remember that from, from Say Anything? Now, after being married to my wife for almost 22 years, she has convinced me that the best movie ever that's ever been made is one that's got all of it. It's, got, it's funny, it's got adventure, it's got intrigue, it's got suspense. But it's a romance, and that movie is The Princess Bride. It's hard to beat The Princess Bride. And The Princess Bride has got a quote in it that kind of covers it all. Because in The Princess Bride, Wesley, as he's trying to win Buttercup, he doesn't say, I love you, but he says what? As you wish. Y'all know that movie. Well, this story, Ruth, has some great romance in it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we turn over to chapter 3. Now, the making of a love story. So, we've said last week that when we left our, uh, our actors or the people in our story, when we left them, Ruth has got handfuls on purpose. Remember, she's gone home. And when she goes home, she begins to show Naomi what she has gotten that day. And Naomi asks her, she says, well, where did you get all this? And she says, well, I found a place and I found a field and there's a man named Boaz. And when she said Boaz's name, Naomi recognized that name. She knew who he was and she said, well, well, girl... He's a kinsman redeemer of ours. You wound up in the right place. And, and she said, look, if, 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 uh, if you're going to be, if he's given you permission to stay here, then that's what you need to do. You need to stay right there and work. And so that's what Naomi, and that's what Ruth did. And when we turn over to chapter 3, we can kind of assume at this point in the story 
that uh, Ruth has been working in that field for a while. Now, Naomi's realizing what's going on here. She's seeing that Boaz is being extra good to Ruth. So, Naomi turns into a matchmaker. And she says, hey, Ruth, guess what? Boaz, he is a kinsman redeemer of ours. And, uh, and, and you don't need to stay single here with me. You, you're young enough. You need to find another husband. And you need to get married. And you need to have kids. And, and, and you need to, to uh, make this thing happen with Boaz. I think you guys can have a relationship together. Well, I keep using that term, kinsman redeemer. If you don't know what that means, let me tell you. In that culture, a kinsman redeemer was a close, influential relative who members of an extended family could turn to for help, especially in times of trouble. And so a kinsman redeemer could do the following. He could buy back land sold during a crisis. He could buy enslaved relatives. He could provide an heir for a dead brother. He could avenge the killing of a relative. And he could care for relatives in difficult circumstances. So remember that these are just two ladies living together. Naomi has lost her husband. I mean, yeah, Naomi's lost her husband. Ruth's lost her husband. And it's likely, very like it is, that Naomi had a lot of land that she had that was belonged to her husband, Elimelech, and would have been passed down to her boys. But there's no males there to take that land. And so she sees an opportunity with Boaz's favor on Ruth that maybe Boaz would move in the direction of Ruth and make this kinsman redeemer thing happen. So this is what she says. She says, all right, Ruth, we're going to make this thing happen. And she sets up this plan. She says, all right, you're going to have a date tonight, Ruth. Go take a bath. That's, that's number one where you're going on a date, right? Okay, go take a bath. Put on perfume, smell good, and get your best dress. Get, get as best dressed as you can, all right? So by this point, Ruth is probably thinking, okay, I get that. And then she says, this is what I want you to do. Go down to the threshing floor, okay? So it's toward the end of the season of harvest. And since Boaz owned property, the owners at that time, when they would go to the threshing floor to, to beat out the barley and, and, and work, they would sleep there overnight sometimes, because they wanted to make sure that vandals or thieves didn't come in during the night. So she knew the custom, Naomi did, and she knew that Boaz would be there overnight sleeping. So she said, you know, he's probably having dinner now. You slip down there to the threshing floor. You go hide, and when he comes in, he's going to come in. He's going to lay down. He's going to go to sleep. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go over to him, and I want you to uncover his feet, and I want you to lay down at his feet. And then he'll tell you what to do. Now some of you are thinking, this is the weirdest love story I've ever heard in my life. How does that make any sense at all? Okay, hang on, alright? So, Ruth does it. She gets a bath, she gets a perfume, she gets a dress, she goes down, she does everything. And everything's just in line, just like Naomi said it would. Uh, Boaz comes in, the scripture says he's in high spirits, he's eating. They've, had, they've probably just been having a great party and celebration he comes in, and it's been a long day, and he just crashes. You know how it is after you eat a big meal, right? And you've been working, you crash, right? So he crashes. So here comes Ruth out from under the, the back, and she does exactly what she's told to do. She uncovers his feet, and she lays down at his feet. And the Scripture says that it's about middle of the night before he wakes up. Now, why did she uncover his feet? Okay, there's a lot of different things I've read about that. But the thing I hear the most consistently, it's pretty simple. It was kind of something she did just to maybe wake him up. But Boaz was so worn out, he didn't wake him up until the middle of the night. And he wakes up, and he wakes up, and he sees a woman laying at his feet. And he says, well, who are you? <laughs> you know? I mean, can you imagine that? And some of the single guys are like, oh, Lord, bless me with a woman who will come laying into my bed. <laughs> And so he says, who are you? And this is what Ruth says. She says, your servant Ruth. Listen to those words. Your servant Ruth. And then she says, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, in our Americanized romance minds, this all feels a little, can I use the word sensual? I mean, we're like, okay, this is... This is not, doesn't sound like, you know, a God story. I mean, we've got a single man with a single woman coming in his house at night, laying at his feet, uncovering his feet, asking him to spread his garment over her. This is, I mean, I, th this is just a little fishy. This is kind of moving from PG-13 to rated R. I mean, I, and you read it and you kind of think there, there's something about this that doesn't make sense. But 
Remember, we look at it through our Americanized movies and all that. There's nothing, there's nothing inappropriate at all going on here. When you read the story, you understand that these, this is a man and a woman who have incredible respect of people in their town. They are upstanding individuals. They are it's a man and a woman of God. Their integrity is not in question at all. So just kind of put that out of your mind and kind of hear it through this, this culture that we're reading this story. So when she said to him, and he said, okay, who are you? I'm Ruth, your servant. And she says, spread the corner of your garment over me. What she was saying, she wasn't saying, take your blanket and put it over me and let's lay under the blanket together. It sounds like that, but that would certainly be on the risque side. Okay? But that's not what she meant. When she said that, she meant garment means, a, it referred to a custom that had to do with making a marriage proposal. And essentially, yes, yes, that was what was happening. Ruth, and she was a modern woman, ladies, she was proposing marriage to Boaz. That's, that's what was happening. She uncovered his feet to get his attention. And when she said, spread your garment over me, what she was saying was, spread your influence, your protection. Spread the right that you are a kinsman redeemer. Spread that over my life and marry me. That's what she was saying. And we read what Boaz said to her. He said, wow. He said, I thought you had shown incredible kindness earlier when you came into town with Naomi and you've looked after her and you've left your family. But now you're showing kindness, kindness, kindness like I've never imagined because you have accepted me and you, you want me to be your husband. You could have had somebody rich or poor a lot younger than me. So that lets us know that Boaz was older, probably a little bit older than, than Ruth. And he says, you could have had anybody, but you picked me. And he said... I'll do it, but there is a kinsman redeemer who's more closely related in the family line than me. And he actually has a right to you closer than me. So, in the morning, we'll see if he wants to claim the right. And if he doesn't, then I will claim the right. And you know what? That to me, if we're talking about the integrity of this man and this woman, this shows me that Boaz was a man of great integrity. Because he didn't have to say that. He could have said, all right, I got a woman laying at my feet. Sign me up. You know, he said, you know what? We got to do this the right way. There's somebody closer who has the opportunity to do this. And we're going to let them do it first. But if, if he doesn't want to take the rights as a kinsman redeemer, then I will. So the morning comes. He's going to send her back. And Boaz says, okay, before you go back to your mother-in-law, which might eventually be my mother-in-law, Take your shawl and come over here. So she brings her shawl over and he picks up. I'm not going to dump this whole thing out. But picks up and pours six measures of barley, the scripture says, into her shawl. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't know how she got that home. But she gets it home and when she comes in, you know what Naomi said, right? It's like when you come home from a date, you remember what your girlfriends would say? How'd it go, girl? You know, and that's what Naomi said. Well, how'd it go? And she says, well, it, everything went exactly like you said it would. And this is what he said. He said that the one thing is that we got to make sure this other person who's closer in line doesn't want to redeem me first. And she said to, uh, Naomi said to Ruth, she said, well, wait. This is a man of integrity. He'll do what he said he would do. Let's wait and see how it all pans out. So. We said that Boaz was a kinsman redeemer of Ruth. And so this morning through this story, let's look together at three ways that Boaz redeemed Ruth. Number one, he provided for her handfuls of protection. Number one, handfuls of protection. Now last week when we were telling this story, let's rewind to the first day that Ruth winds up in Boaz's field. We said that, remember, he gave her special permission to stay in the field he gave her special permission to go drink the water of the servants. He gave her the handfuls on purpose. But there was a line in there. I didn't talk about it last week because I knew I would this week. When he says to her in chapter, three, in chapter 2 verse 9, he says, I've told the men not to touch you. He was making sure that she would be protected, okay? And then later on in chapter 2 verse 12, he says to her, 
May you be richly rewarded by the Lord for the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he was saying to her, okay, Ruth, you have made a decision to leave Moab, and you've come now to live with your mother-in-law, Naomi, and I've seen that you have chosen to follow God and the God of Israel, and you are coming up under his wings of protection. And then when she got home and she begins to tell Naomi about everything that's going on, Naomi says to her, well, well, Ruth, if he's given you permission to stay in that field and he's going to provide for you and protect you, it would be crazy for you to go to any other field because it could be dangerous for you to go to another field. So Boaz, already before this scene that we just talked about even happened, Boaz was providing handfuls of protection for Ruth. There was no reason for Boaz to do this. He didn't have an obligation to Ruth. She was a foreigner. And, and that's why she was in danger. You might say, well, why? Why was Ruth in danger? Why did he have to say to his servants, don't touch her? Well, because she was a foreigner. Because she was a widow, which made her socially vulnerable. And because she didn't have any men in her life. Think about it. Her husband had passed away. Her dad and any brothers she might have were in Moab. She didn't have a father-in-law. So this is a woman living in that culture at that time without any men around her. And Boaz steps up and says, I'm going to make sure that she is protected in this environment. Just like Boaz stepped out to make sure that Ruth was protected, I want to tell you this morning that God works the same way in your life and in my life. God promises His protection for us when we stay under the shadow of His wings. Now listen to this. Psalms 5.11 But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. That scripture says that if we come up under the protection and refuge of God, we're going to be filled with what? Joy. With happiness. With excitement. That's part of the reason why this morning as we sing and we worship, the room is filled with excitement and happiness and joy because there's people in this room who have come up under the protection of God. Amen? Psalms 57.1 the psalmist is praying. He says, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. How many of you have ever been in a situation that hasn't been good? It's been disappointing. But God covered you under His wings. Can I hear an amen? But here's the thing. God provides that protection for us. But when we come out from under that protection, that's when things can happen. In regards to our relationships, our money, our choices, addictions. When people come out from under that protection that is provided by God, any number of dangerous things can happen. See, God sets up boundaries for us when we live under His protection. He sets up boundaries that are to keep us safe, to keep our home safe, our money safe, our decisions safe, our life safe when we come up under His protection. But when we step outside of it, we put ourselves in danger. Reminds me of a story of, of two boys named Charlie and Matt. In Charlie and Matt's neighborhood, they had a neighbor who had a high dive. And they could see that high dive from their house but there was a, a fence around it and no trespassing signs. And they always wanted to go try out the neighbor's high dive. But they were never allowed in there. And they made a decision that one day they would watch and see when the owner left. And they would go over there and try out that high dive. And so one dark night when the moon was, was covered and there was clouds, they saw that he left. And they grabbed their bathing suits and their towels and they took off for the neighbor's house. They climbed over the fence and Charlie wasn't quite as, as uh, eager as Matt because Charlie sits down on the side of the pool. And as he's sitting down, he can hear Matt going up the high dive. 
going up the ladder and getting out there and getting ready to jump. And as Charlie sits down, he's going to, he's a safe guy. You know, there's always a safe guy in the group. And he's, he's going to reach over and see let's how cold this water is. And about the time he reaches over and is trying to find water, he hears Matt go off the top. And then he realizes there's no water in the pool. Of course, Matt's horribly injured for life because he passed over the boundaries that were set up in his community. And that's just like it is with God. God has boundaries for us that are there to protect us. And sometimes they frustrate us. And sometimes we'd rather get out on our own and do our own thing. Amen? But the boundaries that God has placed there for us are there for our protection how foolish would it have been if after a few days of Naomi, uh, of Ruth, working in that field, if she had just said, I just think I'm going to try another field. We would think that was incredibly foolish, right? Because we have already established that it was dangerous for her to be in any other place but in that field. And we would think, you would be crazy, Ruth, to step out of that. It's equally foolish for us when we step out from under the protection that God promises us when we abide in His Word. Because here's the thing. There's something else, an element that was happening and represented in that moment. When she went and laid at the feet of Boaz. What did she say when he says, who are you? She said, I am your servant Ruth. She was showing and demonstrating and saying that she was in a place of respect and honor, honoring him. That she was a servant of his. And when we sit at the feet of Jesus, by reading His Word, through prayer, we're all doing it right now. In worship, hearing His Word, being in a small group, reading our Bibles. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, we are putting ourselves in a position to receive what He can give us, right? You know what Naomi said to Ruth? She said, when she was giving her all these instructions, she said, you go sit at His feet and he will tell you what to do. Can I tell you this morning that when you put yourself in a position at the feet of Jesus, he will tell you what to do. If you're wondering about the direction of your life or decisions that you need to make, you need to lay and put yourself at the feet of Jesus. And just like Boaz did for Ruth, Jesus will tell you what to do. Amen? So, Boaz not only arranged handfuls of protection for Ruth, he also furnished handfuls of provision. Now, we talked about this last week, but I want to get in a little bit more detail right here. Because here's what he did. When she got home after that handfuls on purpose thing we talked about last week, the scripture says she had one ephah. And that measures out to be over nine gallons that she brought home of, of, of uh, barley on day one. That was a lot to come home with on your first day on the job. That's like somebody who comes on to their first day of the job. They've already got a paycheck and they made $1,000. That would be pretty impressive. She comes in, because, because think about it. She comes in with over four gallons of barley and the grain that she had gotten from the table when he invited her to come over. We talked about that last week. Because remember I told you, I said, she ate all she wanted and put some in her pockets. Well... When she got home, she took it out of her pockets and she had over four gallons of, of, of barley and she had this grain from Boaz's table. And that's why Naomi looked at her and said, Girl, where have you been today? Man, you had a really good day. Boaz provided for her in an incredible way. Now, fast forward to the end of the story we just told. She goes to the threshing floor. All that happens. Remember I said that when it was over, that she... As they're getting ready to leave, that he looks at her and he says, Hey, take your shawl off and I'm going to fill it up. The scripture says there were six ephahs that he gave her right there. And that amounts to 24, over 24 gallons of barley that she took home. Now, I don't know how she took that home in that shawl. She's probably dragging it all the way home. But can I tell you that Boaz was looking after her? And here's what I love. Oh, I told Tressa this the other night, and I think it was too late. She was almost asleep, and so she, she didn't get it, but, but maybe she'll get it now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was sharing this with her the other night. It, it didn't jump on her like it jumped on me. 
So maybe it'll jump on you. Okay, look at this. I'm sorry. Boaz, okay, in this moment, Boaz is already going beyond what he should be doing. I mean, he, he's already been proposed to by marriage, okay? But the scripture says, he looks at her and he says, Ruth, don't go home empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Don't go home empty-handed. Now, I like this because for one, he's trying to get in good with the mother-in-law. Okay, my mother-in-law's here this morning, all right? I'm going to wave at my mother-in-law. I might need to bring her over 24 gallons of barley tomorrow. That might be, let me get in good with the mother-in-law. So he's wanting to get in good, but, but what does he say? Oh, man, I love this. Don't leave empty-handed. What's the title of our series? Handfuls. Did she come home with handfuls? Shawful, dragging it all the way home. Man, she came home with an unbelievable amount of provision that day. Uh, Boaz is not only providing protection for her, but he is providing provision for her. And I told you last week, this scripture is good enough that it can make it into sermon two weeks in a row. 2 Corinthians 9a. God is able to bless you, say that next word, abundantly. Oh, what an awesome verse. And that's what's happening. We're seeing it happen in this story. God is blessing Ruth abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Say, praise the Lord. Boy, that's good. And this is a principle that tells us that God doesn't just provide what we need, but He will give us extra. Anybody ever got Extra from God. God not just good to you, but He's real good to you. Anybody, anybody who you know right now, if I walked to you and I said, Sydney, tell me, I won't do it, but tell me one way you know that God has been abundantly, uh, has abundantly blessed you. How many could think of one thing right now? Raise your hand. Let me see your hands. Okay? Look around the room. Just look. Hold your hands up. Hands are up all over this room. That tells me that this is a principle that's true. We have seen it work in, your, in our lives. You see it work in your lives. God will bless us abundantly. Psalms 38 verse 10 says, Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalms 84 11, The Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold who those who, to those who walk uprightly. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Jesus is saying we're all born with a sin nature. By nature, we're all evil. We have sin in us. And as sinful people, if we are smart enough and it's built inside of us that we want to do good things for our children. How many of you do good things for your children and your grandchildren on their birthdays and at Christmas and at special occasions? You just get them something because why? You love them. Jesus said, if you as a human being made of flesh and blood and with a sin nature, if you know how to do that, and by the way, you know how to do that because God put that inside of you. That's part of God living in you. You know how to do that. He says, how much more? <laughs> how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Boy, that's good news. That's real good news. All right, so handfuls of protection, handfuls of provision. Here's the last one. He provided handfuls of promise because when she goes and she sits there, okay, he promised her, promises her, I'll do everything that you ask me to do unless this other guy who's closer in line does it. And then he even says it again. He says, if he won't do it, I promise you I'll do it. Now, she gets home. She tells everything to Naomi. And remember I said, she said, wait and see what happens. So when you turn to chapter 4 in Ruth, here's what happens. Now I thought about this, you know. Can you imagine what it would have been like that night after that whole proposal thing happened in the middle of the night? And she's laying at his feet and he's laying there and the marriage proposal is going on. And they're just kind of laying there thinking about what just happened. I don't know if either one of them slept real good that night. They were probably super excited. And I bet Boaz was like, he's probably thinking the whole time, I sure hope that other guy don't want to take this offer. 
I surely hope he doesn't. And the scripture says at the very next morning, Boaz was down at the city gate. And he found ten of the elders of the city and said, Hey guys, come here. Come here guys. Come on, come on, come on. Come over here. Pull up a chair. We're going to sit right here. They all sat together and he got there in that spot and he said, Alright, I'm going to wait for him. Here he comes. And he, he's looking. And here comes the, the young man who is in line before him. He comes by. He says, Hey buddy, come here. He said, I had a chair for him. Come here, sit down. I, I got a proposal for you. You know... Naomi. And I'm sure he's like, absolutely, I know her. She's one of my closest relatives. Well, you know her daughter-in-law, Ruth. You know the situation. Well, she's got some land that she wants to sell that belonged to Elimelech. It was in the family. You know, Elimelech passed away. The boys passed away. And she's got this land. Well, she needs to sell this land. Okay? Uh, you're the nearest kinsman redeemer to her, and you have the right, first rights, for this land. Do you want to buy it? Now, any man in this room who got a good deal on some land, would say what? Absolutely, man, sign me up. Any man loves to have land, right? Even if you don't do anything with it, if you can afford it and have any man want some land, he says, absolutely, I want some land. I'll take it. And Boaz has said, well, one more thing. If you take the land, you've also got to marry Ruth. She comes, it's, it's a double, it, you know, it, it's, it's a... Um, it's, what is it? Two for one. I don't know how to say it. But anyway, it's a two for one, man. you got to take Ruth too. And then he says, I'm out. I, I can't do that. The scripture says that he said, it could ruin my estate. It, it, it's not good for me. We really don't know what, why that was. Uh, he might have already been married. If he purchased this land, it might not have worked out good for him. And so he just made a decision. He said, no, I'm not going to take that, okay? So Boaz, you know him. He's like, oh my goodness. I'm going to do this. So he stands up and he says, all right, boys, look at here. You heard what he said. He doesn't want her. I want every one of y'all to know. I make a deal right now. I will buy the land and I will marry Ruth. And he made the deal and the promise right there in front of everybody. And chapter 4 goes on to say that him and Ruth were married. That God blessed them with a son. That son's name was Obed. And that son became the grandfather of King David. And we'll talk about the rest part of that good story next week. But he made a promise and he fulfilled his promise to Ruth. Now, we're talking about redemption this morning. And as we come to a close, let's talk about this. To redeem means to buy or pay back, to buy back or to recover. All throughout the scripture, in the Old Testament, God is our kinsman redeemer. God was the closest relative to Israel. And all throughout the book of Israel and throughout the Old Testament, God is redeeming Israel. Israel moves away, He pulls them back. They disobey, He pulls them back. All throughout Scripture, we see God redeeming and pulling Israel back. But at some point, God said, this just isn't enough. And He looks to Jesus and He says, Jesus, would you go? Would you stand in the gap? Would you be the kinsman redeemer? And Jesus says, absolutely, Father, I'll go. And we know that Jesus was born, and He came, and He was born where? Right in Bethlehem, in the place of bread, right? Whoa, boy, this is getting good. Right in the place where this story happens, Jesus is born. And Jesus becomes our kinsman redeemer, our closest kin. How? Because he took this on. He took on flesh and blood, just like you and me. He walked on this planet. You better believe it. He walked the dirt that we know about. He ate the food that we ate. He did the things that we do. He he lived a sinless life so that he could become our kinsman redeemer. What a blessing. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.7 In him we have redemption. We sang about it this morning. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Galatians 4, 4-5 when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Paul was saying that the law said that only a certain amount of people got in, but Jesus steps in as the Redeemer and says, I'm going to adopt everybody else who was not under the law. I'm going to accept them. I'm going to bring them. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to pay for them. I'm going to ransom them. I'm going to pull them into the family. Amen. Anybody here redeemed? Amen. Amen. Kevin, if you'll come and begin to play. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. Ruth. She had received protection and she had received provision, right? Handfuls of protection, handfuls of provision. But what this handful of promise did for her was it provided something that she needed ultimately. See, the field was great. The provision was was wonderful. The protection was wonderful. But you know what she still didn't have every day that she went home? She still didn't have a husband. And ultimately, she didn't have rest. And that's what redemption does. God does. It it is great for us to celebrate as we have this morning that God protects us. And we can testify to that. We can testify that God provides for us. But there is nothing like what God provides through the rest of redemption. Through the rest of the promise that He is with us. That He has given His life for us. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. The soul. The part that will go on when you close your eyes in death. That's the part that every one of us here today, every one of your friends, every one of your co-workers, every one of your family members needs rest for your soul. That's what she needed. And in that moment of redemption, more than provision, more than protection, she received rest for her soul. She learned what it was like to truly To truly come up under the wings of the protection of God. Can I tell you today that that promise is true for you? If you're here today in your spirit, there's something inside of you. It's unsettled. Something's not right. Your emotions are out of whack. You're depressed. You're worn out. That is not what God intended. That's not the way He intended for you to live. Jesus provides rest for our souls. Jesus said, get in this yoke with me. Learn from me. Have a relationship with me. Let your routine, talked about that two weeks ago, include me. And as your routine includes me, I will teach you what to do as we go through this thing together. And ultimately, you will will receive rest for your soul. These boys sang it a minute ago. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all my failures. Wondering how long this is going to last. But you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I want to say to somebody today, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. You've been redeemed. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is available today because He is our kinsman redeemer to provide for every one of us here provision, protection, and His promise. Some of you here today, you may need God's protection in your life. Maybe a while ago when I was talking about this, maybe you find yourselves battling an addiction. Maybe you find yourself in a relationship that you know is not pleasing to God because you stepped outside of that protection. Today, Jesus says, step back under the protection. Receive handfuls today. Some of you need provision in your life. You need provision of direction for what you need to do with your life. Some of you need provision of healing in your life. Some of you here need the the provision of God to direct your path and tell you exactly what it is you need to do in the next turn of your life. Some of you need a financial provision in your life.
And some of you need that handful of promise in your life. You need to receive rest for your soul today. I love what uh, Naomi says at the, in the middle of the story. When Ruth gets home, she looks at her. And, and I'm, I'm sure Ruth probably thought, I did everything you told me to do. But this might not happen with Boaz like you said it would. And Naomi in her wisdom looks at Ruth and she says, knowing the integrity of the man Boaz, she says, He will not rest until the matter is complete. There are some of you here today, you are running from God. You've been running from God. Your soul is not at rest. I'm going to tell you something. God loves each and every one of us so much that He will not stop running after you until the matter is at rest. You can't outrun God. You can't stay away from church long enough. If you've ever come up under the teaching and the Word of God and it's in your heart, I believe with everything in me that God keeps pursuing you. You'll hear it on the radio or you'll see a billboard or somebody will send you a text and, and it's like, it just won't leave you alone. There's a lot of you, you're here right now because He didn't stop pursuing you. Can I get an amen? Oh, you were running. You were trying to go as far away as you could from God. But He kept pulling. He wouldn't rest until you were back. And that's what it was in this story. <laughs> Hallelujah. Naomi said, he's not going to rest until, until the kinsman redeemer makes it right. Today, if you're running, you can have rest for your soul. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the joy that we receive from your word. Thank you, God, for your provision and your protection and the promise and I just thank you today, Lord, that you don't stop chasing us. You don't stop running after us. You don't stop pursuing us. And I pray, Lord, today, whoever's here and needs that, that, Lord, you'll draw them right now in the name of Jesus. They will be drawn to find rest for their soul. If you need rest today, you need provision or you need protection, or you need to receive the promise of a kinsman redeemer, I want you to move right now. Don't wait. I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you right now. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you in this service today. You need rest. You need provision in an area in your life. You need protection over your life. There's a situation you've been praying about. Let's pray with you today. Come on, right now. This is it. Don't wait. Come on, right now. God's speaking to you. Right now. Right now. Don't walk out of here without your... your and, and a soul that's not at rest, that doesn't necessarily mean you're running from God. But the world may have you eat... It may be eating your lunch. And you don't have rest. You don't have rest. Receive the promise of the kinsman redeemer right now. Anybody else? Right now. Right now, the first person's already come. That's the hardest one. Somebody else, right now, be obedient. Right now to God. You need rest. Right now, be obedient. Right now. Right now. Right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Trent and Cody, come and just begin to sing this song with just the piano. I want somebody to come and pray with these that are here. If you still need to come, come right now. Anybody else? Anybody else? We're going to pray today and believe today. We're going to believe together today. Anybody need provision? You've been praying about something. Handfuls of provision are available for you today. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody need protection over your life today? I'm going to broaden the net on this one. If you are praying for somebody who's on the run, you've been praying for a friend or a family member who's on the run, 
Come on. I want to pray with you. We're going to pray over them right now. You're praying for somebody on the run. Right now. I want to, we're going to join in prayer today for that person. We're going to lift them up to the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. As you're here, let's pray together. We, if, you're in the, if you're in the congregation, you're not up here, will you just stretch your hands in this direction? And will you just begin to lift up your brothers and sisters today? Let's not just stand and watch people pray. Let's pray over people today, God, and believe in Jesus' name. And say to me, son, stop fighting the fight that's already been won. Cause you are redeemed We've been set free So we take off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain Cause we're not who we used to be We are redeemed We are Sometimes you sing and you know things, but sometimes you have to sing yourself into some things. So just take the courage if you don't feel like you're redeemed today and just declare that over your life. So sing this one more time. And I am redeemed. You set me free.
As we stand here this morning and, and close, as I asked you a while ago to, you know, come to come for prayer. And we've been praying with some who have family members who you're praying for. I want us just to, to close with that prayer today. And, uh, and I want you to call them by name as we pray. Call them by name. Someone who's away from the Lord. God doesn't start stop pursuing. And as I was studying this week, when I got to that spot, I, that, I, that just kind of blew off the page at me. That was, wasn't one of the things I was expecting to see. But when Naomi said to Ruth about Boaz, he will not stop until the matter is settled, I thought. If Boaz is a character who is a, a, a kinsman redeemer that is an example of Jesus, then that's it. Because Jesus doesn't stop until the matter is settled. And, and I want to pray that over your lives today and over your family members again. You've prayed it many times. I told somebody this week, I said, I, I believe, at least for me, and maybe for all of us sometimes, we underestimate the power of prayer. It's just one of those things that we do. We cannot, we cannot underestimate what God can do through prayer. Lord, right now, as we call out the names, call out their names as you pray. Lord, you hear these names and you've heard them before. And Lord, today, you know exactly where they're at. And Lord, you know exactly what it'll take to pull them back to you. So we stand in the gap, as your word says, and we call out their names to you today. And we ask you again today that you will not stop until the matter is settled within them that they come to know you. Lord, no matter where sons and daughters are and grandsons and granddaughters and moms and dads and grandparents and grandchildren, wherever they may be today, running away from you, cold. Your word says, Lord, that you can take a cold heart and turn it toward you. And we pray that you'll do that today in every one of these situations. Lord, to Tomorrow, today, in this week, may you send somebody in their path, Lord, that's going to turn them toward you, that's going to turn their heart toward what you want to do, that's going to remind them of what you've placed in them, that's going to remind them of what they know of you. We pray that today, that they would be redeemed, that they would be brought back to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Be back next week. Next week we're going to talk about Naomi. And we're going to talk about some stuff about her we haven't seen yet in this story. And how God worked handfuls in her life. We'll see you back here Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a great week.